You're listening to episode 34 of The Urban Yogi, featuring Dr. Christiane Northrup. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation, exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. Christian Northrup, MD, is a visionary pioneer and a leading authority in the field of women's health and wellness, which includes the unity of body, mind, emotions, and spirit. Internationally known for her empowering approach to health and wellness, Dr. Northrup teaches women and men how to thrive at every stage of life. A board-certified OBGYN physician, Dr. Northrup graduated from Dartmouth Medical School and completed her residency at Tufts New England Medical Center in Boston. She was also an assistant clinical professor of OBGYN at Maine Medical Center for 20 years. Dr. Northrup knows that the key to vibrant health on all levels is within us, our inner wisdom. She says, when we find the connection between our thoughts, beliefs, physical health, and life circumstances, we find that we are in the driver's seat of our lives and can make profound changes. Nothing is more exhilarating or empowering. Dr. Northrup's work has been featured on Super Soul Sunday on the Oprah Winfrey Network, on the Oprah Winfrey Show, The Today Show, NBC Nightly News, The View, Rachel Ray, Good Morning America, 2020, and The Dr. Oz Show. Women clearly trust Dr. Northrup's approach. In 2013, Reader's Digest named her one of the 100 most trusted people in America. In 2016, she was named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, a group of leaders who are using their voices and talent to awaken humanity. And in 2018, Dr. Northrup received the first Mind-Body Healing Award, a special category within the New Thought Walden Awards, honoring those who use empowering spiritual ideas and philosophies to change lives and make the planet a better place. Dr. Northrup has spent her life as an advocate for women's health and wellness, first as a practicing OBGYN physician for 25 years, and now as an internationally respected writer and speaker. Her books have been translated into 24 languages. A multiple New York Times best-selling author, Dr. Northrup's most recent book, Dodging Energy Vampires, an empath's guide to evading relationships that drain you and restoring your health and power, was an immediate success. In it, Dr. Northrup sheds light on the real reason so many people suffer from seemingly inexplicable health conditions. Based on her professional and personal experiences, Dr. Northrup provides strategies for removing narcissists and other cluster B types from your life and how you can recover your health after a relationship with an energy vampire. I hope you enjoy this interview with my friend and mentor, Dr. Christiane Northrup. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Lots of big changes. It's, you know, I'm going to Mm. Thailand for a 10-day Vipassana uh, silent meditation, which normally I would never, ever do. But uh, (laughs) Have you done one before? Never. Have you? Oh, I did a six-day one a few months ago. Uh Uh-huh. And it it was difficult. Yeah. I do a lot of kundalini yoga and... It's a very active types of meditation. Very. Just being with yourself and, and just simply being is, it's challenging. 
So it, but it's, it was definitely good. Like I felt like I learned a lot and I want to do another one. Okay, good. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And where, where did you see you're doing that? Thailand. Thailand. It's going to yeah. be hot. Uh, I don't think so. It's in the mountains uh, in Chiang oh, okay. And so it's northern Thailand. So it gets down to 50 at night. So I don't nice. think it will be that hot. Uh, believe me, I'm in Maine. I could use a little hot. <laughs> True that. <laughs> you True know. That. Right. Yeah. So I have uh, been listening to the audiobook of uh, Dodging Energy Vampires multiple times. Oh, great. And it's very, um, it's, it feels very cutting edge. Yeah. And um, my father's a psychiatrist and um, yeah, I, I had never heard the term energy vampire until recently. I think Teal Swan was the first person I heard it from. She's an yeah. online personality. Right. And um, I, I feel like I'm an, an empath and looking back at certain relationships, I'm like, oh my gosh, that definitely felt like a narcissistic supply situation. Oh yeah. Um, I had a certain boss where I was trying to always be really kind and nice to her and offer to substitute classes when she needed them. And she would always be kind of nasty. And, and I was trying so hard to create a rapport and it just wasn't working. And I feel like maybe that was a bit of an energy vampire situation. Yeah. Yeah. So in yeah. psychiatry, they call them cluster Bs. So the psychiatrists mm. know about this kind of person and they're not always um, obvious. Sometimes they're just very passive aggressive and they seem so nice mm. and they love bomb you. And, and yet mm. you have this feeling, but you, you don't have the data. So when you're in relationship with one of these people, what you often feel like doing is, wait a minute, I better write this down. It's like what they just said. I better keep track of what they just said because they're going to uh, somehow tell me that I made it up. It, it's the crazy making. Wait a minute, this is what you said. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. it's with that person. It started with the love bombing and then it all kind of, it was exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, and I really love that in the book, you give tools for us to be able to deal with this. Oh, and, yeah. And first you describe it, and then you give tools. And I love the pledge that you broach in the book. I yep. have it on my bathroom uh, mirror. Oh, I And I just know, say it to myself really in the good. morning. Yes. I pledge allegiance to myself and to my soul for which I stand. I honor my goodness, my gifts, and my talents. I commit to remaining loyal to myself from this moment forward for all of my days. A new pledge of allegiance, accepting your greatness with humility. Yes. I love that. That's that is so powerful. And um, it is because we old soul empaths often are born with an inferior ego. We, we keep looking right. for things that we have to improve about ourselves. And the energy yeah. vampires, um, this is always, I want to get this out of the way right away because it's a common mm. question. And it's... Um, People say, well, what if I'm the energy vampire? And that's a diagnostic question for an empath. Only an empath would ask that. An energy vampire that's will so never. Funny. But an energy vampire will often run around saying that they're an empath. Interesting. Very often. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes so you, I, I wonder if I'm, when I'm tired or if I haven't you know, been eating well, or oh, am I becoming a little bit vampire-ish? So sometimes I do ask my, so I guess that means I'm an empath. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> That's correct. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of Kundalini yoga lately, uh, Christian, and I'm finding it, it's really helping me. 
Um, there were a few years there where I kind of had a run-in with drug abuse. I, I got addicted to cocaine for a couple of years. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm very grateful to still be alive. I had a family member, a cousin who passed away of uh, fentanyl poisoning. Um, he was doing cocaine recreationally. And then my yeah. lover passed away about a year and a half ago of fentanyl poisoning as well. Oh, so oh. It's, it's quite an epidemic in Canada, especially in Vancouver. I'm not yeah. sure what it's like in the States, but um, Kundalini Yoga has really helped me because it's taught me that I can get high on my own supply. Oh, that's really important. And yeah. Yes. And this book that you've written has really helped me too. And it's sort of reified for me the importance of good daily habits that keep us in our highest. Yeah. And um, I, so one of the things I do is the Aquarian Sadhana from Kundalini, which is basically you get up at four or 5 a.m. I've been doing a 40 day challenge. I'm on like day 34, 35. Yeah. And you do 20 minutes of chanting, uh, about an hour of yoga, a little mini Shavasana, and then an hour hour and a half of singing. And you sing these sacred mantras. One is for protection. One is for victory. One is for joy. And I just love it. I feel like it's the perfect lineage for me because I love to sing. I think it is Um, perfect for you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I love to dance. So I'm finding these good daily habits are making me feel kind of like I'm high on something all the time. (laughs) I mean, I just went swimming in the ocean with a friend. Uh, We did the cold plunging, the Wim Hof method. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, It's amazing. If you just sort of stack these different disciplines you can feel really blissful in your own body without anything outside of yourself. And I'm just wondering what good daily habits do you utilize? Have you found effective at being yourself, being robust, uh, developing that grit? Like you have so much grit and I'm so inspired by you for that. You've been, you've been a pioneer for years. So I'm wondering what do you do every day? Um, recently, my daughter, Kate Northrop has started this uh, less phone, more life challenge and I'm finding nice. this, this little practice I'm loving. Okay, so this at night, before I go to bed, leave the cell phone downstairs on airplane mode plugged in. And then give myself an hour before bed with no electronics, except that I like to play music through my Sono system, which is right over my bathtub. And so oh, nice. I have to do that with, a, with an iPad. Um, and listen to music. Uh, last night was Mary Black, who I love, the uh, oh. Irish singer. And uh, so okay, I'll get cool. ready for bed doing that. And then in the morning, um, I get up again an hour with absolutely no electronic anything. And it, it has created bliss for me. Now, I never mm. already, I do not follow mainstream news. I am very clear on who's running the planet that is manipulating people like puppets to get us to feel bad about ourselves, to get us to uh, take all these Mm -hmm. drugs. And so Mm -hmm. I know that the mainstream news is manipulated in that way. And um, Mm -hmm. so therefore, I don't let that in to my life. I begin the the day Mm -hmm. with a little um, yoga routine that I got from uh, John Duyard. I'm currently doing his um, Colorado cleanse. It's a liver cleanse. I do it twice a year. It's a lot of vegetables, nice. herbs, and then you do progressive amounts of ghee. And um, oh, I love ghee. Yeah, yeah. So this is, you Very know, you good. melt some ghee and you just have it like on an empty stomach in the morning, progressive amounts, because you've done wow. a no-fat diet with beets and the, all of that for a while. So I'm, I'm doing that. And then I really begin my day, whatever is scheduled. Um, oftentimes, I do intermittent fasting, so I don't really have any food until noon. 
And mm. my body has just gotten used to that. So I like that very much. Then I go to the office and do what needs to be done and, you know, have some interviews like this. This morning I did something very unusual for me that took a lot of courage. And that is I met with a legislator because I heard that in Maine they wanted to make uh, childhood vaccinations mandatory for getting into schools and we're going to oh, remove wow. the philosophical exemption. And wow. when you remove the philosophical exemption, what happens is the only exemption left is the medical exemption. And then there will only be a few doctors in an area that will give the medical exemption to those parents like me who mm. look at the ingredients in a vaccination and say, I don't want 250 micrograms of aluminum in my child's brain when the FDA itself says 25 micrograms is considered safe. And so now we're injecting 100 times that, and that's considered a good idea. So oh I, just, I just met with him before the legislative session. And I said to us, mm -hmm. let me talk to you about this. And he's a man who absolutely believes that it's good for the whole if children enter schools vaccinated. And um, I said- Is I the philosophical exemption synonymous with religious exemption? Yeah, same thing. Religious or philosophical. Okay. And we currently have that in the state of Maine. Mm. Um, mm. They got rid of it in California. So now what's happening is the medical boards are targeting the doctors who give the exemptions. And so oh, wow. it's like a fascist uh, thing. But, but what That's happened sad. is I got to the point where I thought what we need to be doing here is talking to each other as humans. And I thanked him for meeting with me. And even though we're philosophically different, most of what we believe, because we both have grandkids, is aligned. And, and our common goal is healthy kids. Yes. Uh, the way to it is a little bit different. But I think that right. what's happening with the mainstream media now, and I just, I could not believe this. I just heard it. I subscribed to a Canadian publication called Collective Evolution, Joe Martino. Mm -hmm. I love his work. And there's a controversy about the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. And someone is saying oh, it encourages rape, telling me about this. rape culture. It's like, oh, come on. And what he points out is what we've done. And we need to all look at this. We've begun to use these pseudo things to separate each other. Men from right. women, gay from straight, trans from everybody else, race, right. all of this stuff. So you get to the point where... You have to be so careful about what you say, you know, um, your white uh, privilege is showing, your, your this. It, and what happens is you begin to walk on eggshells and you, you no longer communicate with someone who's different from you when in right. fact what we have in common is far greater than um, what we don't have in common. And what it does, and I believe that's uh, energy vampires running the media, because if they can mm. get us split with fear and anger, we're much easier mm. to manipulate. And that then so we true. will, and then they can control us. And it's that simple. So we need to look right. at all these narratives. Uh, the so-called left has been, as far as I can tell, taken over by this kind of fascist, uh, politically correct stuff that separates people. If you get yes. too crazy, yes, we need to look at systemic racism, sexism, 
uh, homophobia. We need to, but we do that by talking to each other, not slamming each other for the fact that you didn't use the right pronoun. <laughs> yes, I like yeah. your your approach of simply speaking with another human, heart to heart, face to face. My parents were they were they're both medical people. My father's a psychiatrist. My mother was an occupational therapist, and they were talking about the flu shot. Oh, and I went, yeah. oh dear. I was quite triggered. I know, I, said, well, geez. I know. I said, guys, like, did you know that there's like mercury and aluminum in the flu shot? And my mom said, well, do you know that to be 100% true? And I said, well, of course yes. It's and true. She, said, she said, you don't know that for sure. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to find out. So I, <laughs> I left the house and I, it was at Christmas uh, and I went down to the pharmacist and I just said, hey, could I get a printout of all the ingredients in the flu shot this year? They gave me a printout and I was surprised. Even in the baby version, there is mercury and formaldehyde. That is and I correct. thought, you know, it's 2017, it was 2017 when this all went down. And I thought, you know, we can supposedly land a man on the moon. Can we not like put something different into this supposed vaccine well, other, that's more compatible with the human body? Well, this is the thing. What, what we all want is we want uh, vaccine safety. And, and even the CDC this year says the flu shot is only 36% effective. Uh, we just had a hmm. senator from New York State die of massive sepsis after a flu shot. He was a big advocate mm. for flu shots. And what happened is, and, and people can become immune compromised after an, uh, a shot. And you know why, you just ask for the package insert. Get the package insert. You'll see that what's in there, these are neurotoxins. There's uh, fetal cells, there's all kinds of polysorbate 80. There's all kinds of stuff because that uh, a vaccine doesn't work unless you get the immune system really riled up. And to get the immune system mm. really riled up is dangerous for some people, not all people. Mm. And um, mm. so you just, you just look at the, the package insert and then you need to decide for yourself. But like you said, even the CDC says it's only 36% effective. And so right. we have to educate ourselves. But it's interesting when you were talking to your mother, and this is where it comes down to, families are where we get our sense of safety and security and our sense of belonging. Well, right now, the family of medicine, the family of standard conventional medicine is everybody needs all these vaccines to be protected, to feel safe. And what happens is that's where we put our money to feel safe. Like women put it also in mammograms. You got to have your yearly mammogram because that's how you're going to be safe. And we're and it becomes a religion. It becomes a belief system. Right. And the science doesn't hold up. And when someone like me comes along and says, you know, you might want to rethink that, what happens is the arrows come at me because it's so difficult for people to change their belief, and they feel as though I'm taking away a um something that creates their security and that no I'm wonder they get to wild. understand this because this i've had a very similar experience christian with the whole hiv aids situation oh and boy. uh you know I'll, I'll post i'll post an article from dr kelly brogan just about certain things that she's found that are a bit nefarious in the in the pharmaceutical industry like for example there's never been a double blind placebo control study carried out on these drugs that's so correct I'll post this and i will yes. get so attacked and um being an empath it is hard like I got attacked last week and I, I took the post down right away because 
yeah, I do the same convention in yep. a few weeks and I, I, I want to feel safe in my own body. And it's interesting. Like, what do you do to sort of shield yourself when the arrows come? Well, it's very interesting that you brought that up because Kelly and I are good friends. And she said, that is the one thing, the HIV AIDS. She's, and, and, you know, she said to me, look, I'm a AIDS denialist. Um, when you really look at the science, there was a lot about that that was manipulated. However, the belief now, and I remember putting this in one of the editions of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, is that um, I had interviewed people who had reversed their HIV status with lifestyle and so on. And they'd reversed it. about that in Carolyn Mace's book as well. That's it. That's it. Well, my editor went batshit down in New York at Bantam because she was involved in uh, gay activism, in HIV activism. And she said, you cannot say that. I know all of these men and they're only alive because of antiretrovirals. So you can't say this. And it was one of those hills that I said, okay, this hill I will not die on. I'll die on the Gardasil hill, uh, the HPV vaccine. And also I'm a huge fan of um, keeping males intact because I did hundreds of uh, circumcisions as part of my job. And oh, the, wow. uh, the prepuce is part of the male anatomy. Sex is entirely different with an intact prepuce. And we really need to keep males intact. Um, I agree. So those are, those are two big issues, uh, HPV, mammograms, um, circumcision. But this HIV thing, you have a lot of courage because that is your group. And when you go in, it, that's akin to me telling women, uh, you want to rethink the mammogram because they really think that's saving their lives. Whereas in, in right. your group, and then you also have now PrEP. You have that. I was just going to say, oh my and there have been no long-term studies on like the damage it is doing to people's kidneys and livers, but especially kidneys from yes. the research I've been doing. Like all these young people who are 17, 18 going on this drug, taking it every day, what are their kidneys going to look like when they're 50? That's right. Not to mention that the stuff is what, 30 bucks a day. That's expensive. It's expensive. I think it came, I, a friend who's on it says it's like three or 4,000 Canadian a month. Whoa. Um, yeah, and the government pays for it if you're a gay man in Vancouver. I can confirm that. Really? Um, yeah. It's now, very... see, think about think about that. That's public policy, and mm. and here's the other thing. And then here's what we notice. You know, I, I keep going back to Jurassic Park, where Jeffrey Goldblum's character goes, "Nature always finds a way." So what we're finding now in the gay male population is a vast increase in um, gonorrhea and syphilis. And, uh, you know, because PrEP doesn't protect you against the common venereal diseases. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm just thinking, you know, if, if HIV is really this big, bad, horrible viral thing that's going to get you, and, and why are we giving people toxic drugs that's weakening their immune systems? I know that right. so-called HIV tests are coming back more negative when people are on this, but if big pharma really cared, if, if doctors really cared, or I'm going to say it, if doctors really cared because the Hippocratic Oath says do no harm, I know. and also Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, let, said let medicine be thy food and let food be thy medicine, yeah. how come more studies aren't being done? How come more money is not being put into seeing, hmm, what about medicinal mushrooms? What about blue-green algae? I've been doing some research on PubMed with my dad's passwords, 
And it looks like they're doing small studies in Uganda on so-called HIV AIDS patients, giving them these reishi, chaga, mushroom supplements. And it's having just the same effect as the so-called HIV drugs on their immunity and their recovery. So I'm just wondering, you know, if, if we really care about well-being, how come we can't funnel more money into natural things that are more in harmony with the body? Because um, natural substances cannot be patented and therefore it does not behoove any of the pharmaceutical companies to do the necessary research on a naturally occurring substance. And that was the issue with bioidentical hormones when I was very involved with menopausal uh, things. And mm -hmm. so you couldn't patent natural progesterone, you couldn't patent natural estrogen. So what women have been getting is either Premarin, which is from the urine of pregnant horses, uh, or um, estrogen and progesterone that's been changed. Does what's been the patent? But of course, uh, the drug lands on the cell membrane. And if it doesn't have exactly the right lock and key, you get a different effect. And as uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton says, these aren't side effects, they're effects, mm -hmm. they're effects. So there's an enormous belief. I think what, what you and I are talking about really is the divide in the world. And it's this, one group says the world is an incredibly dangerous place and you need these vaccines and drugs to stay safe. So we've substituted our belief in God and our belief in our power to stay well and our belief that we have a connection with source energy, we've substituted that and we have pushed our, we've projected our faith onto modern medicine. Mm. And so that has become our God. And so you and I waltz in here and we say to someone, hey, the emperor isn't wearing any clothes, but you've just been tithing to the emperor and you've paid your health insurance and you know, whatever. You don't want to hear that you know, right. to the guillotine with you. Right. Um, and so, see, for me, I can't not say this stuff. It would be so much easier for me as a doctor if I didn't say this stuff. And today, the legislator said, you know, you have many colleagues who completely disagree with you on this issue. I said, yes, I know. The miracle is you came here to my office and you and I are having a civil discussion, which I so appreciate. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like what you do, Christiane, is you trade positions for common ground or interests. Um, you, you, you know, you focus on the light. And I just watched the movie A Wrinkle in Time, and Oprah's character said, you know, she was talking to the young, the young girl, the lead character, yeah. you need to learn, because she was stumbling when she saw the dark, said, you need to learn how to focus on the light even when the darkness is present. Yeah. And you're able to do that. And it almost makes me cry because it inspires me to do that too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Your music inspires me. You know, that's mm. when you touch the hand of God, when you sing. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Thank yeah. you. I love to sing. And, and it's, it's nice to be, um, it's, I always wanted to be a singer when I was a child and right. I never thought it was going to happen. And I remember even like, you know, certain kids would bully me, not just for being gay, but for always singing at assemblies. Yes. And remember yes. I got a prank call once and this guy was like, Hey, it's Sony music. We got your record deal. Ha ha. Like, you know, kind of just silly child stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and I actually ended up getting a record deal with Sony. <laughs> so it all worked. <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> and so I, I feel very, 
lucky and, and grateful to, to get to share my music with the world. Yeah, that's great. When did you get that? Well, I'm signed. I, I released my music through Network Records. Uh -huh. And Network is a subsidiary of Sony Music. Canada. Okay. Okay, great. So okay. Uh, Network is like Bare Naked Ladies, Sarah McLaughlin are the, are the big names. Avril Lavigne was on there for a bit. Okay, great. Um, but now I'm realizing with YouTube and with social media, you can be your own entrepreneurial singer or artist or whatever. And you don't really need, like I released this most recent album on my own. And that means I get a bit more of the cut. And right. it's, it's awesome. It's really Isn't great. It? The world, it's, mean, we're in the Aquarian age. I love it. Yeah, we are. So it's like the double-edged sword of the internet. So if it, mm -hmm. because what's happening is there's enormous amount of censorship now on Facebook mm -hmm. and so on. They're removing right. the uh, alternative media um, mm -hmm. quickly. You know, um, Google, Facebook, uh, Instagram, of course, is owned by that. And, YouTube. and even Wikipedia. Oh yeah, Wikipedia. Is Wikipedia it, controlled partly by Big Pharma? I don't, it must be. Because it, um, you can't trust what's on Wikipedia, and people need I, to know that. I study something, uh, Christian, called German New Medicine. Have you? Heard oh of yeah, that? that's really good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. And so I was looking on Wikipedia about it, and it's all just bashing it, completely bashing it, and all these sort of rumors. And then you click on the links, and they mm -hmm. go to blank pages. So I went in and I changed what I could to make it more neutral. And then oh, they they'll change it back. They changed it back, and I said, "Well, I said, guys, like." all the links are rotten. They're all dead. They don't go to anything. He said, well, that's no reason that, you know, that's not a good excuse to, to change it. I went, oh my gosh, this is weird. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. cannot trust Wikipedia. Nope. Yeah, People need to know that. Yeah. Definitely not. But I want to get back to your book. I have a quote from your book. Um, it's often hard for empaths to accept that there are people who are not filled with love and light. Uh, there really are predators who lack character, empathy, and compassion. Um, the sooner you accept this, the safer and happier you'll be. Now, I was brought up to believe that, you know, everybody really means well. <clears throat> if I ever was bullied, my mom would say, well, well they mean well. They're probably, you know, and, and so, but then I'm realizing, no, some people do not mean well. And I even told my mom recently, I said, I've been reading this book by Dr. Northrup and we're realizing some people really don't mean well. She said, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were taught that, you know, that they mean well. Or uh, Dr. George Simon, who's one of my mentors in this area, wrote a book called mm -hmm. In Sheep's Clothing. And mm -hmm. he points out that the belief among many therapists and many people is this, only hurt people hurt people. So we are, oh, oh well, you know, they suffered in childhood <laughs> or they had a this or that or the other thing. So you make excuses for them. And he said, this is not how it is. You need to think more in terms of a cat with a mouse. These mm. people know exactly what they're doing. Why do they do it? It works. And so a cat who has a mouse is playing with the mouse. Is the cat remembering childhood trauma? No, it's getting all excited about the mouse. And everyone has seen this oh. behavior. The mouse gets very excited. It's manipulating, I mean, the cat the cat's manipulating the mouse. It gets more and more excited. It is the mm. aggressor. These people are trying to make you feel bad to get you in a defensive position. Mm. But they're the aggressor, and it's often passive aggressive. And you need right. to understand they are doing this to get you off balance for narcissistic supply. They live off energy, whether it's, you know, talk about me good, talk about me bad, just talk about me. They do not have empathy. It is extraordinarily important 
for those of us who have more empathy than normal, with this, we have super traits of empathy, to realize that these people do not feel the way you do. Because you, what we do, unfortunately, we make the mistake of thinking, no human could ever do that. I mean, let's be clear. What human could declare war on a whole other population and then send all these young men to their death? What kind of person would do that? A person with no empathy. And so, um, you know, the ruling families of the planet have been those people with, with no empathy. And oftentimes, you know, and this is like, nobody wants to know this. You know, they're, they're tortured and there's all kinds of things to do mind control for these children who then grow up to have no empathy. Right. Uh, but just in general, just in the basic split, you know, the garden variety narcissist, right? That's one in five people. And those are the people who drive you crazy. And you, right. you can't do right by them. And you and I think if we could just win them over or, you know, my big mistake has been, oh, my God, their childhood pain. And I'm so connected with source energy. I could make it better for them. That's the big mistake. Right. Yeah, because they're going to go right from you to the next person. So many women um, have been married to these characters. Men, too, by the way. Men have been married to borderline personality. And they keep trying to make it better. And the person keeps them on the hook and plays like you're, like you're bone fishing. And it's so right. much fun to play the fish. They do that. And then once you wake up, the, the horrifying thing is the person you've been married to for 25, 30 years, um, suddenly you see it and they're remarried to someone else in like 15 minutes. And it's devastating mm. to those yeah. of us who have tried everything to get a conscious equal partnership with this kind of person. You. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the sooner you recognize it, and my recovery has come from looking at the number of years I was with a certain kind of person. And then each time the number of years is less and less and less until now I can see it coming. Why? First of all, because I'm better at seeing it coming. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I have, I'm surrounded by people who I have entrusted with my care. So I say, look, mm -hmm. if you see that I'm doing it again, if you see that this person looks like they're an energy vampire. You need to tell me. You cannot wait for three years and say, I knew it. Yes. I said, you know, don't be a lily livered. You got to tell me now. <laughs> say it right away. Yeah, right away. And I will, and yeah. please trust me, I will believe you. I will no longer be a flying monkey for one of these uh, narcissists and do their bidding. I right. will trust you. Because what happens, especially with people like you and I, we have what Sandra Brown calls super traits. We literally do not see the darkness when it's right there. We see the potential right. and we uplift and we uplift them. And that might be okay in the next 20 lifetimes, but not right yeah. now. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question before I forget just about yeah. the arrows? When you get arrows, whether it's from an energy vampire or from you standing up for, you know, Gardasil, and then the arrows come, what do you do to stay in your navel point, to stay self-loving, essentially? Okay. First of all, um, I do a lot on Facebook. And when there's any character assassination of me, I'm okay for a, a civil discussion always, but a character assassination, I ban the user. So I keep my social media pages 
really, really pristine. It's like I don't let people walk their dog in my backyard and leave the poop around. Right. They have to remove it. Uh, right. So I, I guard my social media presence assiduously. Um, when I do my radio show, we screen the calls. It's like this is going to be a non-conflict zone. Now, it's interesting to me that I was on, um, God, the Oprah show, my, one of my last shows before she stopped doing the show. And I was asked about Gardasil and it had just come out. And I said, I am, my position is uh, controversial. I am not for it. I think this is a very bad idea. Since that time, hundreds of girls have been disabled or have died from the Gardasil vaccine and boys too, because we're now giving it to boys. Right. And so I, um, when I come up with this stuff, I try to do it with a great deal of love and compassion. So I say, I understand the pressure you're under because what's happening now, the school nurse is coming in and telling a whole group of middle schoolers, you need this vaccine. It's going to prevent cervical cancer. And then the kid comes home and says, mom, Julie got this vaccine. Mary got this vaccine. Why won't you let me have it? I mean, this mm. is awful. That, so what I do is I talk about the, the mind control that, go, that is behind it. I talk about the research. But then, but then I say, and circumcision, it's taken me a long time to be really comfortable with it. But here's what you're noticing. The light is getting brighter. The light is winning. So you're in a particularly dicey area, uh, but around vaccines and, and circumcision and mammograms, people are waking up. So there's far more support than there ever was. With what you're doing, I don't know how much support you have within your community for your point of view. It's interesting, not, not amongst gay men, and I think it's because of, of the way that it's all gone down. Yeah. But if I meet yeah. people, if I go to, you know, a music festival and I meet people of all sexualities and genders, right. sometimes they'll even bring up this issue and say, hey, isn't this weird that, you know, PrEP is being given to all gay men? Like, isn't this weird? What's going on? So it just depends on what sort of belief ecosystem I'm in. Oh, I like that belief ecosystem. But the main thing that I, that I do, and I think we need to realize this, as empaths as old soul empaths because i believe that we're the ones who've been here over and over and over and in the old energy and the, the old energy is the energy before december 21st 2012 yeah that's right. the old energy and the reason of the mayan calendar and all that prediction was this that if we made it past december 21st 2012 we were not going to blow ourselves up and that's we positive. haven't <laughs> we, we haven't and, but so now the darkness is fighting for its life and it's pulling out all the stops. Mm. So in the new energy, it's not going to be the same for us. We're not going to be killed after we've delivered the Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, we're not going to be thrown off the mountain after curing the village. Um, we're, we have far more support than we ever did before. I mean, for me to meet with a state legislator, I mean, for so many years, I was just waiting for my eviction notice to be in my doctor's mailbox because I believed in nutrition and vitamin D. 
I mean, that was in the 80s. So what I'm yeah. seeing is things are changing rapidly. However, there are those who are not going to wake up. So what I do is I try to assess, is this going to be safe? And then I, then I couch it in something humorous. Uh, Andy Weil said years ago, and Andy is the only person who ever did controlled clinical research on marijuana when he was uh, in his first year of medical school. You can't do that anymore. But he mm -hmm. said, you can say almost anything if you're not angry. And so I think, uh, you know, J.P. Sears, that hilarious yes, uh, humorist, he's, he's a very funny guy. And he says, mm -hmm. he, he says the truth very often, mm -hmm. uh, but he does it with such humor. So I right. think we have to, um, now, oh, let me give you another example that was, uh, mainstream blew my mind. Russell Brand has I a new him. Netflix comedy special. At the end of it, he says, well, my biggest fear with my daughter, because his wife just gave birth, and you know he's got a huge drug and alcohol recovery, so he is so honest, so vulnerable, so himself. So he gets to the end. My biggest fear with my daughter is that she will tell people out in the world what we talk about at my house, like the fact that the queen is a lizard. Whoa. <laughs> That's on Netflix. Wow. Yeah. So obviously wow. <laughs> he follows David Icke and understands about the Illuminati and the extraterrestrial mm. lizards and, you know, all of that. Mm. They're the non-human species that has been running the planet. Now, when I, as, as David Icke says, and also Stephen Greer, who's done the Disclosure Project with all the UFOs mm -hmm. and all that, what Stephen Greer points out is that with the UFOs, which the government has known about forever, the only reason you don't hear about it is that the technology was brought here for free energy for everybody. Fiber optics are from UFOs. There's all kinds of free energy technology that has been squirreled away in the interest of national security. And that's because the military industrial complex needs to keep us in the dark, to keep wars going, to keep fighting amongst ourselves, to keep uh, being vaccinated, the, you know, the GMOs, the chemtrails, all of that stuff. But here's the way they do it. They do it by making any one of us who even says this stuff be so ridiculed. So it's hidden in plain sight. It is a campaign of ridicule. Like what kind of a stupid fool are you? So for, for years, I would just call myself a quack. You know, let me, let me jump to it first so that we can get that out of the way. Right. Because the quack thing was a very well orchestrated campaign by John D. Rockefeller, who founded Standard Oil, and they systematically closed all of the homeopathic and women's medical schools and herbal schools in, in 1920 with the Flexner Report. And he gave huge amounts of money to the uh, burgeoning pharmaceutical industry. And so they called everybody who didn't do drug medicine a quack. And this was all, you can read the history of this. And so most people don't know this. So they just go with um, groups, group think. They just repeat. They repeat what they've been told and they repeat that. And then they repeat that. So um, there are, you know, that the, the guys who invented 
the cell phones and all that, like Bill Gates, they will not let their children have these devices. They know how addictive they are for mind control. But here you are, here I am, and at least for now, we have this YouTube channel, we have Instagram, we we have all this, but people, I find that people are waking up. That's my experience. Yeah. I'm noticing that too. And I, I agree with you. It's all about with a bit of humor and also being neutral about it, not being super aggressive and just saying, Hey, you know, have you, have you thought of thinking about it this way? Here's an article, you know, instead of saying, instead of being militant, just right. offering up things. And so I'll, I'll offer up something that Kelly Brogan has researched. Yeah. And it's interesting on my Instagram uh, recently, this fellow that I study breath work with, he said, wow, like I can really see how that could be true. And you know, with epigenetics and neuroplasticity, like, yeah, you know, this, this, all this stuff, whether it's cancer, AIDS, is never black and white, and it can't be a one size fits all thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's very interesting. You know, the politics and the sociology of the medical industry. It's it's uh, there's a lot going on in our world. There is um, yes. And this brings me to the next uh, question or topic of conversation: is the wake up crew analogy. I like how you were broaching that, you know, if you, if you're part of the wake up crew, you kind of have to accept that sometimes people are going to be like, whoa, your light's really bright. Like you, oh, you talked about oh, yeah, you know, a mother coming it... in, in early in the morning, waking up the child. Like, nobody wants to be woken up with the bright light, but that's our dharma is to be in the wake up crew and to not be in the wake up. Like if your dharma is to be part of the wake up crew and you don't do it, that's really painful. It's it, you you're not have... living out your purpose and you're, you're dimming the whole world by dimming. Well, it's, it's so funny. So as I read in the paper, you know, well, the, the legislature, sure this is still recording. Oh, okay. Very good. There we go. We're good. Oh yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Good. So I read in the paper that the legislature is going to introduce this bill and it's now, you know, it's December and they're going to introduce the bill in January. And I thought someone should do something about this. And then I realized, Oh, wait a minute. I'm the one who should do something about this. So, but we have to decide because the old paradigm is working ourselves to death um, by, uh, aren't you noticing it's horrible and isn't this awful? I mean, the negativity can be Mm -hmm. so awful for people, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. like always, what is wrong? What's the next thing? So you really, really have to understand that your job really for most of us is to just be here. You have a lot of light, just be here. We're like human air purifiers. Now, that's irritating to people who are dark. I recently went to visit a family of a, a new friend of mine, so I was gonna go visit his family. Oh my God, the son wouldn't even make eye contact with me for the whole weekend. I Because I was coming in, and I'm a game changer for this crew. And man, if you're not, like you said, if you're not ready to wake up, I did nothing. I, oh, well, you know, I'm, I did enough. I recommended vitamin D, uh, you know, things that the mainstream, it, it take. here's what I want everyone to know. From the time there's something really good and helpful found in medicine, it takes 17 years for that to be accepted. Right. I don't want to wait. When I know something's good, I'm, I know, I have my North Node in Aries and that's just what I'm supposed to be doing. I just have to do it. Now, I'm also lucky, Will, because my dad was also, I had a brother and sister who were medical doctors. He was a dentist, very holistic. 
and we mm. had organic food and we spiked the orange juice with vitamin C and my parents were doing yoga, um, you know, 50 years ago. So I come from that lineage. So it's easy for me because my own family, my own blood supports what I do. For many people, it's too much to have your own family not support it and then your profession not support it. It's like that is too hard for most people. But I have a, a place where I can land, where I'm accepted. And for what I what for my dharma, what I've been doing is I've been cultivating a chosen family. You oh know, yeah. I learned German new medicine from actually uh, there's this beautiful woman in her late seventies and she's taught me German new medicine almost like a mentor. And so we have a little group and and then that makes me feel like I'm landing more. And then I can go back into my family and I'm less triggered by my father's views, you know? Oh, oh, absolutely. And of course you would choose a father who's a psychiatrist. I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you dim your light, the whole world gets darker. Uh, and that made me think, and you touched on this in the Energy Vampires book, you know, you said, for example, a gay son who, who chooses to not disclose that to the family because that's not in their beliefs. And that's totally what happened with me. I've realized now that I'm capable of loving anybody, but when I was coming out as gay, it was very difficult because I, you know, my mom would say things, oh, you know, like those gay people and holding hands on the street in your elementary school is like all oh, that kind of di dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Which dying inside and like writing letters to God to try to turn me completely straight. And it, it, it was a feeling of turning down the light so that I didn't offend anybody. Yeah. And what I'm realizing now is like, that's not healthy. It's oh not my healthy. God. And no. And it's amazing to me um, how far we've come in so many mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is, you know, you're, you're young and that happened to you. Um, I've just been reopening those archives of Louise Hay, where she did the hay rides for gay men in the eighties. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a documentary called opening doors. So I've here's read. Louise, you know, and she's, um, having these little groups of, of gay men and she's having them look in the mirror and say, I love you. And that mm. was so radical because most of those guys now are dead. They're dead. Um, and, uh, you know, you would have thought that someone your age would be able to come out so easily. Did, have you watched the, the latest Wills, Will and Grace? Uh, the I Will haven't. and Grace? Oh, God. You got, oh, my God. You have to see it. My friend Noah, I call him my adopted son who's gay in oh. New York. He oh. turns me on to all the stuff that I should be, you know, watching. This nice. the new Will and Grace. It's 10 years later. So Will and uh, the other guy go to a gay bar as 40-something, early 50-something gay men, and uh -huh. they're trying to pick up the younger men, and the younger men are bragging about, are talking about their coming out parties when they were 11. And here's <laughs> Will saying, let me sit you down and tell you about Stonewall, you know, yeah. because they didn't even realize that there was a time so that's right. also true. There's, there is so much more acceptance now yes. than there ever was, but we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. 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 And, and it's definitely getting better for, for gay and lesbian people. 
and but yet there's still this very sort of divisional energy around transgendered people yes um which which is something that i'm i'm doing my best to educate people on and you know i just learned recently one out of every 2000 babies is born intersex you know and 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 i'm interested in how that relates to gay and straight too because if what we've been taught about gender is not completely correct then gay and straight as labels don't actually mean much in my books yes you know there's uh there was an interesting documentary by the Blair brothers called Ring of Fire. And this was way back in the 80s. And they went around to all of these islands in the archipelago of Indonesia. And there's one island where if they have a fifth son or a fourth son or whatever, he is raised as a girl. Wow. And so they showed these, these girls, males, but they were raised as girls and they were as feminine as anything you've ever seen. And a friend of mine has done some sailing and he said, yeah, in wherever he went, they just call them girly men. And, wow. it, 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 and it's, per, it's perfectly acceptable. And in so many um, first nation tribes, there would be people born who were intersex and they would be the shamans. That's what I heard. That's what actually what I was studying at UBC in, uh -huh. a, in, a, in a gender class. And we also learned that oftentimes these shamans, these trans shamans were the first to be killed by the white man. And they called them berdache, which in French means slut or prostitute. Oh God. So it's, yeah. it's just interesting. Cause I think the white people knew, Oh, you know, these shamans, they have some sort of connection. Let's get rid of them first. And then that'll help dissolve the whole, you know, tribe. That's which is right. Very sad. Um, I just want to make sure I don't miss out on any of these questions. Um, okay. <laughs> um, you talk about childhood wounds uh, that cause empaths to hold on to shame and guilt. Uh, how does this lead us uh, to be more vulnerable to these energy vampires as adults? That is like the whole crux of it. Because if you grow up and you think that something is inherently wrong with you, so you just described it. Here you are, you're a little boy, your mother is talking about gay people, these are bad. So you get the idea that, you know, guilt says we made a mistake, shame says we are a mistake. So here you are and your very essence, because you already know that you're gay, you know it really young. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it's like you're getting that your essence is wrong or bad. Okay, now, but you have all this light and all these gifts and talents, but that little shred of doubt is always there. Okay, an energy vampire has malignant intuition. I call it malignant intuition. They see that vulnerability from a mile away, and that's what they're going to exploit. So they come at you, and they tell you everything you've always wanted to hear. You are so talented. Okay, I'm going to give you in my case, um, as, a, as a young doctor, um, oh my God, thank God I found you. No one else can heal me. My patient load was about 25 to 30% energy vampires. Help oh me, God. you can't. Okay, they would just come in to get a hit of my energy. They had no intention of getting well. Um, right. And so, and they would tell me, and so here I am, here's the wound. In my profession, I'm an outlier. 
I believe in, you know, I was doing work with macrobiotics, vitamin C, um, mm-hmm. energy work, past lives, all of it. Well, that was not exactly accepted in medical school or residency. And so therefore, I'm already feeling kind of like an outlier. And then someone, a patient comes in and says, oh my God, you're, you're everything that I ever wanted. And then I impale myself on that hook because right. my own boundaries were not solid at all. Oh, sure. Call me on Saturday night. Oh, sure. Oh, you know, and I had an energy vampire friend. Oh, and energy vampires are often, let's be clear, very good looking and very charismatic. And everyone wants to be around them. So I had a, an actress friend who had me talking to all of her friends in Hollywood. You know, all these famous people. Saturday night, I had two little kids. What am I doing on the phone talking to all of these glamorous people who I later find out have nothing to offer me ever? They're, you know, they're not there when I need them. That's right. the, that is the cult of celebrity that we've yeah. also been brainwashed in. Uh, yes. you know, so I go back to my, you know, one of my favorite movies, Almost Famous, you know, where Philip mm-hmm. Seymour Hoffman says to the kid, you know, the kid calls, it's Saturday, aren't you out? No, kid, I'm not out. I'm not cool. You're not cool. And the only currency between two human beings worth anything is what goes down when you're not being cool. I love that. Isn't it? It's the greatest I line. Actually, I posted that recently. And my Did you? Yeah. teacher had posted it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's yeah. so true. Yeah. But, but it's so true. you know, all the, it's like the mean girls in the eighth grade. Yeah. You know, the mean girls, it's always the, the good looking one or whatever. And then you find out that they need the posse for narcissistic supply. And if you get them off by themselves and no one's plugging into them, they deflate like a balloon. I right. have seen it and it's shocking. There's nobody home. But, then when they, but think about it. When they, when they get on stage, let's say that they're in acting or whatever, they're, and I've seen it, and you have too, with gurus. So oh, yes. here's all of the- Wild, of wild the, country. Oh, oh my God. Wild, <laughs> wild country. That was crazy. Was, was beyond. It was beyond. But, but you know, that's not the only place. I mean, right. it, it happens in the Tantra world. It happens yeah. in the polyamory world. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And um, you said uh, you haven't been chosen, you've been targeted. Yeah. So energy yeah. vampires target empaths, um, but you cannot be someone else's higher power. I think that's something that I really was reified in the book and that I'm really coming to understand in my bones. You cannot become somebody else's higher power. Yeah. And they um, have to do the work. They have to do the work. And what happens, and I know it's happening with you, it's happening with me, as we become whole and complete and loving our lives, loving our work, all of that, um, you're not vulnerable to the energy vampire because you don't have any receptor site for that. Um, I did about nine years of Argentine tango, close embrace tango to heal my heart. It's, you know, it's a dance of the heart. It's also loaded with vampires, but I did it to heal my heart. And what's interesting is I used to have to go like someone would go to an AA meeting. Uh, You know, I'd have to go. Now I don't. It's like it's healed. We're whole. All is well. And I love my own own company. And so I was going to ask you, how does Argentine tango help you heal from vampire abuse? And you just explained it there. Yeah, good, good. (laughs) 
because I remember you talking about how you do the I need to get into that. That sounds beautiful. Is it sort of a heart-to-heart connection the whole time? It's Yeah. If you do close embrace, it is. But it is really like a martial art. And I think you would love it because it's two people moving as one to music. And the music is very soulful. Plus, you can dance it to any kind of music. I don't just stick with the golden age Argentine tango. I I will tango to country western. You got it. Fantastic. Fantastic. so yes, I've mentioned that my father's a physician. You are a physician. I asked him recently, uh, Dad, how much training in nutrition did you receive? And he, he went, you kind of bring up a good point. We didn't really receive any. And, and then I was watching an interview with you last night. And you said that medical training is invariably materialistic, hypnotic, and Newtonian. Yeah. Um, and I just had this experience, speaking of dental health. Do you know Nadine Artemis? I don't. Okay, Nadine Artemis has a company called Living Libations, and she's written this book called Holistic Dental Care. I was in the dentist office, and they said, oh, you've got receding gums. You're going to have to spend eight grand on gum grafts. Oh, God. I I said, is there anything I could do naturally to heal them? And they said, no, once the gums are gone, they're gone. You can't do anything. And I went, let me me see what I can do. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that. didn't resonate with me. So I I found Nadine Artemis' work, and it's she talks a lot about Weston A. Price and how a lot yep, of tribesmen yep. didn't have cavities. I'm like, okay, hmm, something's going on. What's going on? So I've started this eight-step dental care process. And basically it involves like loving your gums, like putting a little essential oil and massaging them, dry brushing the gums. Yeah. Well, sure enough, they've grown back up. Of course. Of and course. it's so exciting because I thought, oh, this is definitely a hopeless case. But I said, no, William, just try it. And, you know, it's living tissue. And so are the teeth, I'm coming to understand. They're not just rocks in the skull. No. And even my, my Western dentist said, oh, you had a cavity, but your body has healed it. Ooh, I love that. And I went, that's wow, great. that's really exciting. So Very. I just wanted to bring, bring that up. This sort of, um, you said there's no place uh, in, in, medical, in the medical industry. Invariably, there's no place for the quantum energy of miracles. That's correct. And when you go... So um, uh, Dr. Kelly, what is her name? Anyway, she wrote Radical Remission. And she is, Mm -hmm. uh, for her PhD thesis, um, she was seeing that there were spontaneous remissions from all known diseases. And she'd look on PubMed, and indeed, there were thousands of spontaneous remissions from every known Mm -hmm. disease. And Brendan O'Reilly documented this at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And so she said to her professor, well, what did these people do? And nobody knew what they did because it's not that spontaneous, folks. They did something. They changed something. So as her, as her thesis, she interviewed a bunch of them and found out that there were nine different things like changing their diet, changing their, uh, their lifestyle, their thoughts, uh, forgiveness, all of that, that they all had in common. And she wrote a book called radical remission. Now, Mm. if a person goes back to their doctor and says, "Um, okay, six years ago, you told me that I had six months to live and here I am, very often, and this is what is so difficult for an empath to understand, or frankly, a scientist to understand, the doctor will look at you and then it's like they look up as though what you're saying is going over their head because they can't possibly believe that that happened. So here's what you're often told. We must have had the diagnosis wrong because this disease 
has no known cause and no known cure, but you're standing here cured. So they don't want to know what you did because they've already determined that that is not possible. So therefore, let's go back. You had the wrong diagnosis. That's how that works. So you're, you're in the realm really of dogma and religion, not science. Right. That's what my intuition is telling me a lot of, especially when now that the public, we can go onto Google, Google Scholar and yep. we can look at the studies and it's like, oh gosh, like there was no placebo controlled trial. Who was the study funded by? Like we can be more educated. That's right. And even I sometimes have asked uh, doctor, what is the number needed to treat? Oh, isn't uh, that a great, that is a fantastic, yeah. fantastic statistic. Yes. Yes. Because I had a ward on my foot and uh-huh. I wanted to just get it you know, scalpeled off or burnt off. Sure. And he said, oh, well, no, you're a life. This was when I was a lifeguard. Oh, it'll just get infected. Let me give you this pill. It's an ulcer pill, but we can no. prescribe it off label. And I said, oh, geez, I don't know if I'm comfortable taking an ulcer pill. You know, could you tell me a little bit more? He said, well, in, 10, in a certain percentage of people with stomach ulcers who took this pill, their warts went away. And I said, oh, no, thank you. Like, just what is the number needed to treat? You know, and it's yeah. basically how many people have to take the medicine before one person benefits is my understanding of that. Well, that's right. So statins are a great example. So the number needed to treat for one person to get better with a statin is 100. 100 people need to take the drug for one person to benefit. Now, what's the number needed to harm? It's one in 10. One in 10 will be harmed by a statin so that one out of 100 can get a benefit. Now, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) That's, so that's why, you know, when people... Where can people, where can people learn more about number needed to treat? Like if, if somebody was skeptical of what you just said, where would you refer them to go? You know what? I think that you can literally, there's a website that's, you know, uh, just Google number needed to treat, NNT. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I would love to hear some stories of miracles that you've seen, uh, people making total turnarounds in their health and their perspectives, especially after... Um, ditching their energy vampires? One of the most com- the most recent in my own life, I want to see if I can bring this up. It's on Instagram. Um, Mike J. Watts. Now let's see if you can see this. Does everyone see? That's my son-in-law. See his yeah. face? Yeah. That is eczema. Awful, awful, oh. awful eczema. Okay. Total body. Total body. Wow. This is MJ Watts. All over his body, he was miserable. And it happened right after his second daughter was born. So he has been knocked out of commission from essentially April to this month. He went deep inside, literally shedding an old skin, shedding his uh, paternal lineage. And this is him now. Wow. He's a good looking guy. He's gorgeous. I've seen yeah. him before. I didn't realize he was going through that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my little granddaughter. He's even more yeah. gorgeous now than the pictures I'd seen. Uh, well, that's correct. <laughs> the truth is, he is. He's refined now. That's, mm-hmm. you know, a beautiful face. He's mm-hmm. softer. He's, um, you know, he's changing everything. And what he realized is that he needed to do his own thing in his own life. Uh, you know, not, he's been running the family business and all that. Um, so, you know, that's like a local, uh, you know, right that's up beautiful. close and personal. Um, yeah. 
God, you know, my own in my own life, I have a, a great story. Um, when I was in the beginning of writing Mother Daughter Wisdom, um, I knew that what I had to do first, and every writer knows this, is you're going to have to do a mind dump and get everything down on the page. And I had all kinds of stuff come up around my mother. So I wrote down everything. And afterward, I had a little bit of irritation under my left contact lens. I went to New York with my daughter for a conference. The irritation lasted, lasted, couldn't seem to, to get it, it, you know, anyway. I finally go to the eye doctor when I get back and I, it looked like I had a pine branch, this branching lesion in my cornea. And I go to the best doctors here in Portland and every day they have me come back and everyone's looking at it and they don't know what it is. And this goes on all week. And finally I realize I'm in trouble. I got to go to Mass Eye and Ear, Massachusetts Eye and Ear Hospital in Boston. We go down there. I see the head of the cornea unit. He looks at my eye. By now, my vision is clouded there. And he says, mm -hmm. what you have, he does a corneal biopsy. He said, you have infectious crystalline keratopathy. Um, and it's only reported in people who are immunosuppressed. So there's only mm -hmm. 70 reported cases in the world literature. So they started to give me antibiotics that I had to wake up every hour on the hour to put these eye drops in, very high potency made by their pharmacy. Okay. And, um, and then uh, it wasn't working. And I was getting so tired from waking up every hour on the hour and nothing was happening. And I'm going blind in my left eye. So one morning, uh, and I knew that this lack of sleep was contributing to the problem. Because if, you're, if your cortisol levels are high, we all know that people who are on steroids are real susceptible to infection. Mm. So I decide I have to sleep more. And then I get down on my knees and I remember vitamin C, S-E-E, -E, or vitamin C. Ah. And I begin to shovel massive doses into me, um, PO by mouth, 1,000 milligram capsules. I would do 10 at a time, keep going until I had reached tissue saturation because I remembered that vitamin C is a very potent antioxidant and they used to use it to cure polio. And the next morning I woke up, boom, the cornea was clear. Wow, that's and beautiful. And then I learn, and then I learn later, cause I don't go Googling things. I know too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I learned that what I had was not treatable, was not reversible. And I reversed it. I have the mm -hmm. slides. Yeah, that's beautiful. But remember, it's vitamin C. So eyes are mm. in the liver meridian. They are mm. really affected by anger. I had enormous mm. anger at my mother, but it's the anger of an adult, not a child. And, and you, it's the kind of anger you can't stay marinating in that kind of anger very long. A righteous anger, when your innocence or that of another has been threatened, that's healthy. The immune system yes. responds very favorably to that when right. you stand up and say, uh-uh. But when you're looking back on your childhood from the perspective of the adult and getting into blame and that shouldn't have happened, and that can be toxic. And that was right in my liver meridian going into my eye. And that's what that was about. It was actually about anger at my mother that I needed to upgrade my files in my body.
mm-hmm. about you know choosing my parents and you know, why did I have the mother I had and all of that stuff. And right. really realizing in her case, she really did do the best that she could. In fact, we were we were home and um, I give her a copy of my book and then I got a call. So she's sitting next to one of my good friends, my Pilates teacher. And another woman at the table says, what's this new book about? And my mother pipes right up, just out of the blue. And she goes, you know, Christy was a very different child. And I did not know how to mother her. That j- she just said that. We were talking about the book. Wow. It wasn't anything about, but she, it's like in the data banks of the maternal DNA, she knew. And now, you know, all is, all is well, all is well. Wow. Yeah. Yogi Bhajan says, compassion is the language of the Aquarian age. Ooh, he isn't kidding. He's <laughs> not kidding. Yeah. yeah. But you, oh, but it, okay. But the first person, yes. here's the problem with empaths. The first person we have to have compassion for is ourselves. You, and it, you can't do the bypass where you're having compassion for your parents until you really own how painful that was for you. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I love some of the tools that you uh, broached in the book, uh, especially congratulating or praising yourself when you mess up. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's so funny. I like that one. Isn't it good? You know, I just you, did shame really well just there. Yeah, yeah, you know, you did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, wow, you have nailed it. You have nailed it. Nobody has done shame better than you ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is. You instantly, mm. it, it lifts up the energy field and you yeah. can't stay in shame because shame, yeah. like vampires, cannot live in light and humor. Right. Yeah. Right. And then uh, remembering, if you're in shame, remembering something honorable that you did. That's it. That's I learned it. that from a yoga teacher as well. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Our, I guess what we're realizing is invariably empaths and old soul empaths can be quite self-critical. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. You know, we are, you know, we're our downfall is perfectionism and all that. So when we mm-hmm. find ourselves criticizing ourselves, again, we say, nailed it. You're just so good <laughs> at criticizing yourself. You know, like it's this unbelievable. No one's done this better. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Or, you know, awesome. I, was, I was saying to um, my daughter, Kate, when I, when I wrote Goddesses Never Age, I said, well, you know, really, really, this whole uh, book came out of my despair at being a divorced middle-aged woman and thinking, you know, that all the good men were taken or they wanted someone who was 20 years younger or all the, the, the cultural all stuff. Things, yeah. and, and I said, you know, because I was afraid that, you know, I was just going to be a middle-aged woman alone with cats. And my daughter goes, this was perfect, <laughs> perfect shame uh, um, eradication. She goes, yeah, mom, because, you know, you're the only one who's ever felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that myth of terminal <laughs> uniqueness, right? Like right. nobody has ever felt this yep. before. Nobody's ever felt that before, no. Yeah. The reason that Russell Brand is so funny is because he has uncovered every vulnerability, every weakness, every, and he can no longer be triggered by it. He's out there with it. And as a result, we are all uplifted together 
because we right. watch someone, you know, being who he really is and just saying the things that so many of us have been thinking anyway. Right. Yes. Yeah. It just gets thing. it out in the open. That's right. Yeah. Um, so in German new medicine, it's the common, it's the, it's the idea that no illness can happen in the body without the involvement of the psyche and the brain. That's basically what it yes. is. Yes. And you get a conflict shock. So we don't call it disease. We call it um, a significant biological special program of nature designed to assist the organism in a time of unexpected crisis or stress. That's so beautiful. So for example, somebody, um, well, the fellow who discovered it, Dr. Hammer, his son was yeah. unexpectedly shot died yeah. in the hospital. Dr. Hammer had been relatively healthy his whole life. He was 47 or so when it happened. Then he developed a testicular teratoma. And he wondered, is this having anything to do with this unexpected shock of losing my, my offspring? Oh, yeah. And he started interviewing his ovarian cancer patients. And he said, did you guys have some sort of unexpected shock near or around the time your diagnosis happened? Invariably, they did. Many did. And then he started mapping the brain with CT scans and he found right. a, a certain concentric ring, a ball of energy formed in the same place in all of these women with ovarian cancer. So my question to you is, if the psyche is the root of the complex, we must envision our body as powerful and healthy and capable. What's the way to do that besides getting a cancer diagnosis and suddenly starting to eat salad every day? <laughs> yeah. Now that's my whole life's work is, is like, I knew in, uh, let me give you an example. So in about 1984 or five, um, I had my very first reading with Carolyn Mace, the medical intuitive. Nice. nice. And she said, uh, the viruses, you, you were about to get a big ovarian tumor. If you mm. hadn't left the practice, that was in your energy field. She also said to me, she said, your heart rhythm has changed. You are a rescue addict. Do you hear me? You're a rescue addict. You need to stop. Now, everyone in my family, both grandparents, both sides, died of heart disease. So I knew that was right on target. Right. And so I have always known that the key was to change the pattern when it was still in the field, but hadn't yet coalesced into the physical. Right. So um, that's what I want people to know. So for instance, I would have died of breast cancer. I know it. Bilateral inflammatory breast cancer if I had not gone through the divorce that I went through. I know it. Now, can I prove it? No. Now, that is the whole problem, right? Why I said med medicine is Newtonian and hypnotic. It's right. like you go in, they don't find anything. They say you have a clean bill of health. And you're living with an energy vampire, and you're starting to get chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, or you've just been diagnosed with Lyme disease, and you've got Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but all your blood tests are normal. Mm -hmm. Keep it up. If it's like this. If you don't pay attention, when you get a tap, you're going to be hit by a bigger hammer. And that's mm. how it works. And our souls are here in soul school with a mm. certain curriculum. And your job is to pay attention to the curriculum. And generally, we don't make a move until things get irritating. Right. <laughs> we just don't, you know? <laughs> right. Right. True that. Yeah.
true that. Um, yeah, so, and my follow-up question was, aside from external slash internal catastrophe, what is a catalyst for change for the better, for framing thinking to be positive in service of life of the body versus victim mentality? And you kind of hit it on the head. It's like, catch it early. There's another good one, and I love this. This is Gay Hendricks, his ultimate mm. success mantra. Okay, mm. so Gay wrote a book called The Big Leap, which I adore. And he points out something really important for everyone to know, and that is that by about the age of 11, we have internalized an upper limit of what we think is possible for us based on our family's beliefs. And when we supersede that limit, we get sick, have an accident, or pick a fight to bring us back down to the level of uh, what we consider our limit for happiness, success, money, wealth, all that. So here's the medicine. It's the ultimate success mantra. And we can all do this every morning. You lie in bed and you say, I expand. Success, love, happiness, beauty, whatever you want to expand. I expand. And here's the key part while inspiring others to do the same, not helping them do it, not assisting them to do it, while inspiring others to do the same. So you become, your life becomes the inspiration. And he points out the subconscious mind, where 90% of our behavior comes from, only 10% is like what Bruce Lipton says, our hopes and dreams are only in the 10% conscious mm -hmm. mind. They are um, the programming, the 90% is mostly negative. But if you say, I expand success, love, happiness, the subconscious mind has no but against that. It doesn't have any. So it literally listens. Oh, I expand. I expand love, happiness, success, while inspiring others to do the same. And that's from Gay Hendricks' book, The that's Big beautiful. Leap, which is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Very good. Good. Um, final question. <clears throat> What role does sexuality and sexual energy play in uh, healing from and growing and living and thriving beyond vampire abuse? Oh, man, that is like my favorite topic of all time. First of all, because I am an expert on the female erotic anatomy. Nice. And a champion of the intact penis, or like I like to call it, the wand of light. I just bought and, a jade butt plug. Yeah. yeah <laughs> a chakra. A jade, an Indian jade butt plug, because Chakrabs is a company that makes wands for, for women's vaginas, but you can yeah. also get one, a butt plug, and it's really helping to heal my root. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I have an obsidian one, but I haven't, oh, uh, nice. haven't used that. You know, they, <laughs> awesome. they obsidian takes care of <laughs> I, <laughs> Anyway, so sexual energy, here's the thing. It is the fuel that fuels everything, and we have to... Um, we have to integrate it in the old spirituality. You know, the spirituality was you did not include sexuality. You know, they were, they were totally separated. And to me, and this is the work of David Data, you probably know David's I love work, him. Um, yeah. you know, that we have to integrate uh, sexuality and he calls it the dark, the shadow has to be in there. So, you know, he's got some exercises where, you know, you growl and you do stuff to get the energy down. What I notice is women are, many women, very out of touch with their pelvic floor, which is why there's mm. so much um, orgasmic dysfunction. Uh, in fact, in the, in the medical literature from my side, American College of OBGYN, they say 50% of women have female sexual dysfunction. 
Okay. You know what that is? Okay, here's, here's how they count sexual dysfunction. Um, you're not having intercourse twice a week. Hello, there's a huge range beyond that one. Okay. <laughs> and, and the reason that women are sexually dysfunctional is they don't know how to own and operate the equipment. So the first right. thing is you got to learn that you have as much erotic erectile tissue in your body as do men, but it's all inside. The clitoris is just the tip of the volcano. I wouldn't mm. say iceberg. And that's connected to uh, a lot of tissue inside the body. There's the perianal sponge. There's the uh, periurethral sponge. And then there's the roots of the clitoris that go on both sides. So mm. you need to, and then there's the sacred spot, also called the G spot. And that goes right up to the pineal gland. And when you stimulate that, you produce DMT in the pineal, and that's the third wow. eye, and it's the seat of the soul. So sexuality. Same with the prostate. Uh, the S, the the G spot for the prostate. I'll tell you where that is. Okay, that's right, right inside the anus. At I'm thinking about this. Um, the front the front part of the anus. So in the the right. ventral surface of the body. So it's a little. You can feel it. A little mm -hmm. kind of, um, you put your finger in there and right uh, at about 12 o'clock, with 12 o'clock being the front part of your body. Right. Okay? And I'm, I'm just wondering, is it connected to the pineal? Same as thing. The, same yeah. thing? Same thing. Wow. wow. Yep. Same thing. Now, the other thing that's really interesting is there are reflexology zones along both the vagina and the penis. So with the penis, the head of the mm -hmm. penis, the glands, is the heart. Huh. And then... Uh, lungs and uh finally down at the base is the kidneys hmm. and uh so it's really interesting to understand that when the entire thing is stimulated you're actually doing a total body treatment and i think for wow. men all men need to learn how to have an orgasm without ejaculation to hold on to their that. energy you know i've been doing semen retention for i think my longest time was 78 days amazing and now it, and it was able really to cool to be uh, orgasmic dis despite yes. that? Yes, yes, a few times. And it was almost, it was the fully different orgasm than an yeah, ejaculatory right. release. It was more like when I've been with women and they kind of quiver during orgasm, yeah. I was able to have that type of orgasm doing semen retention. It was yeah. very, it was a full body, uh, pleasurable, blissful experience. That's right, that's right. So mm -hmm. that, see, that's what's available to us, but we need to, we need to cultivate it. In right. a culture, that has co-opted our sexuality and turned it pornographic. Right. Yeah. One, well, and it's like the colonialist mindset. It's really taken over pretty much ninety-nine point nine percent of the world, and it's based on sexual repression, repression in many ways, isn't it? That's right. That's right. On the other hand, I am a huge proponent right now in human history, at least for women, is um, monogamy because I, mm -hmm. I believe that. Polyamory, if you want to really create the safest, most loving container, you just can't be leaking your sexual energy with a lot of other people. It's like yeah. having muffins in the oven and you keep opening the oven door and the heat releases. They don't yes. cook right. I, and in this in is the gay a, community, I'm starting to with everybody, I'm starting to realize that to be true in my life. I'll speak for myself. Um, it does feel like an energy leak. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm really, uh, Yogi Bhajan said, now that we're in the age of Aquarius, we're going to go from an exploitation and an overuse of sex and sort of a 
perversion of, of sex, especially perversion of, of the female. Yeah. To developing, he said it'll take about 50 years, but we'll be developing our self-sensory system yeah. where we get immediate satisfaction from just being embodied in our beautiful sexual selves. Oh, I love and that. And I know that's true. Yeah, yeah, I know that to be, I'm learning to that to be true because I'm doing this Kundalini yoga. It's like, oh my gosh, I can give myself an orgasm just doing Kundalini yoga. I don't need anybody else. Right. It's, I have more control over my joy than I thought in terms of the body sensations. That's pretty fabulous, right? Because yeah, now, exciting. like when we, when we have that, then we are optimally ready to actually be partnered by someone else at the same place. So we're not trying to complete anybody. We are creating one plus one equals three. It's like there's a, there's a third energy that's available when both people are whole. Right. Yeah. So I've come to the same understanding or realization that sleeping around with too many people is an energy leak. Yeah. What would you say about, mm, there's this movement in Vancouver of the Tantra, uh, Tantra movement where people get together and they practice, you know, bringing energy up and down their spines in sort of a yab yum kind of practice. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's important to also be mindful in those practices, to be mindful of who you choose as a partner for that and how much you do it? Absolutely. But again, that's the yabyum, if you're fully clothed, is not unlike Argentine tango, except that with tango, there's so much um, listening to the music and it's technical and it's got a steep learning curve, you know, right. so, um, but the, the yabyum, there was also that thing, one touch. Do you remember one touch was, um, mm. you wouldn't know that I think so much, but it was, um, still is, uh, this practice where men go in and stroke the woman's clitoris. Oh, we call it um, orgasmic meditation, I think. In, orgasmic in meditation. Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem with that is... If oming, woman, oming, that's what it's called. Oming, oming. If a woman yeah. has not done her healing around sexual abuse, she can get very triggered. So a friend of mine works with people who've done that, and it's made them much, much worse. So again, mm. here's the thing. And she talks, uh, my friend Deb, talks about these gruntis. Gruntis is a blockage in the kundalini energy. And sexual energy will expand a grunti. There are usually blockages in the second or third chakra. And so if you have any tendencies that are kind of anti-human, greed or wanting to make too much money or exploitation, sexual energy expands whatever it touches. So if you've got blockages, watch out. Mm. yeah oh that's a good point yeah Yeah. thank you yeah all right um okay i think that's it yeah the one thing we kind of broached it before was the um the buddhist monks i've been speaking a lot about this since i read it in your book to my classes and how in kundalini yoga when we do fists of anger there's a reason why we allow ourselves to go to that place (coughs) because if you're just going to go right to loving kindness it releases excuse me um in your book, you were saying it, it releases too much endorphins and uh, the body's type of morphine, which can affect the metabolism of glucose over time, which could lead to diabetes. And that's what you were broaching in, in the, the Tibetan yes. Buddhist monk population. It's higher. Yeah. And I learned this from Dr. Mario Martinez. And he right. said to me, he's worked with a lot of Tibetan Buddhists, and he said, their diet cannot explain their degree of diabetes. And it mm-hmm. is that they are they have been taught to go right to loving kindness when in fact 
they should be furious that the Chinese came and raped their women and burned down their temples. And he said, you don't need to stay in the anger, but you do need to feel it. So I love this exercise you talked about. It's like getting it out of the body. Otherwise, you're literally sugarcoating. Yes. And that's what happens and their blood sugar yes. goes up. Yeah. And that's what I found with the silent meditation retreat is I felt like I'm, this anger is coming up the set. Am, am I supposed to just sit there? And I asked the teacher and he said, well, no, if you need to cry, cry. If you need to get angry, I suppose you could get angry. They didn't mention sexual energy, but Pema Chodron, I understand. She says, if sexual energy comes up during your Vipassana, Imagine you're sharing like a a burning coal. It's orgasmic. It's beautiful. You're sharing it with the world. Oh, that's great. You don't have to egg it on. You don't have to repress it. Just you're sharing it. That's healing the world. So I I like that. So there's some hot tips for you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I need all (laughs) of those. Okay, great. Uh, And then the very last thing, um, high heart versus low heart. This wasn't from Energy Vampire's book, but... I have been speaking about this concept ever since I saw you. Uh, it was a YouTube video of you giving a talk to women uh-huh. and how if you're a woman, you have to go to the place in your body where you've been shamed if you want more balance and power in your life. And I feel that same goes for gay men and for most people in our society. It's an honoring of the high heart and the low heart. Can you just quickly speak on that? Yes, yes. Um, the uh, low heart is the womb in women, and it's where the sacrum is in the back. It's the you know where the pelvic bowl is, where our creativity mm. comes from. And if you've been shamed there, you're not going to have the energy to go out in the world and do what needs to be done. You know, we call mm. it in men, we say you have no balls. Well, in women, it's the same. You have no ovaries. But here's what we need to understand. Women or those with breasts tend to have an aggressive loving. You know, the, as, as um, David Data says, the feminine is love. And so we aggressively love because our heart sort of comes at you and we, and our genital organs are all inside. So that's very yin. So we love yang, but sex is yin. With men, Mm. it's exactly the opposite. To get to their heart takes a while, but sexuality, Mm. they're right out there with it. So what we have to do with women is you need to balance those two things. And you can do meditations with just your hand on your high heart and another hand on your low heart and send energy back and forth between those two. But if the um, high heart is closed and you do too much opening of the low heart, that leads to disease. Or if right. the, uh, uh, the opposite is true, um, you, you just yeah. have to keep them both balanced. But understand your sexual life will not be truly integrated or what it can be unless the person you're with is loving and you love them. You have to combine sex with love for it to work optimally in your body. Now, you're free to do whatever you want, but I, this is what I have found of being at the bedside of thousands of women. Yeah. Wow, thank you for that. Okay. One very last 30 second thing, electromagnetic, electromagnetic fields. In Kundalini yoga, we strengthen the electromagnetic field by doing crazy movements. And I was over at a friend's house who has an electromagnetic monitor, little beep, 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 beep. And sure enough, when we were doing these crazy movements, there's more electromagnetism generated. Is that feeding the body just like we need nutrients? Do we need electromagnetism for optimal health? Uh, I think we do. And the biggest source is the planet herself. When you stand on the earth barefoot, the earth gives you negative ions. It's electrons. 
that come mm. up through your body. And 20 minutes of barefoot on the earth decreases cellular inflammation by 20%. So awesome. we need the low-grade electromagnetic, the, the um, healthy electromagnetic fields, an infrared sauna, a biomat, mm. uh, and doing yoga and so on. The unfortunate part is now we've got this 5G stuff going on, um, you know, with the internet and cell towers, and this is having an adverse effect on our biology. So we mm. need to protect ourselves. There's, there's ways to do it, Faraday cages and stuff like that. But awesome. yeah, we need good energy. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. All right. If you're ever, <clears throat> if you're ever up in Vancouver, I now teach infrared yoga. <gasps> uh, and it, basically yoga in an infrared sauna. Oh, so I love I that. That's love, the best. Yeah. Next okay. time you're in Vancouver, I would love you to come. I would come. Okay. Thank you, awesome. Will. Thank Great. you, Chris. All right. Have a beautiful afternoon. I will. Bye-bye. I'll see you soon. Satnam. Thank you so much for tuning into the Urban Yogi podcast this week. What an amazing woman Dr. Northrup is. So inspiring. Make sure to head over to Dr. Christiane Northrup's website, drnorthrup.com. And also make sure to pick up her new book that we've been speaking of, Dodging Energy Vampires, an empath's guide to evading relationships that drain you and restoring your health and power. This book is available anywhere books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indigo Books, etc. And I've also been really enjoying the Audible version uh, narrated by Dr. Northrup herself. This book has really transformed my life. I always thought that I was crazy around certain people, but then I realized that I'm just an empath and there were certain energy vampires that I needed to let go of in my life. So thank you, Dr. Northrup, for shedding light on this very cutting-edge issue of the uh, empath-vampire relationship. Make sure to visit my website, willblunderfield.ca. You can subscribe to the show there on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, or via RSS so that you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out my album of my music, which has been featured throughout the podcast uh, at iTunes.com slash Will Blunderfield. I'm available for private coaching, for yoga, and voice production. You can reach me through the contact section of my website. Again, that's willblunderfield.ca. Have a beautiful week and a beautiful Christmas season. Namaste.
Liberates others. May the long time. 